This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. It is Wednesday, Ted Yoho Day, and you know Ted Yoho can be just about anywhere, and we're going to disclose for a moment where he is today. It's always a mystery, but it's always exciting. Uh, this is a professor Scott in the Warthog Man Cave in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida. Ted is actually en route from South Florida. We'll pick up him in just a moment. We're in the Melton Law Studio, of course. Melton Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention and sponsored by such great people as r r Construction, uh, on-the-spot cleaners, style cuts, on and on. Lucasio with uh, Allstate Insurance. And also don't forget the coffee company. Coffee is uh, right there offered for us, you to pick up on our wardscottfiles.com website and uh, take a look at it. So I've got a cup right now, and my cup, of course, says Mr. Wright. What else could it say? Huh? Absolutely. Absolutely. Of course, uh, a little known secret is my wife has one that says Mrs. Wright. I think that uh, probably, uh, you know, trumps Does my- her say? Does her yeah. say Mrs. Always Right? Mrs. Always <laughs> Right, right. We've got Ted Yoho in the automobile. Howdy, folks. Up from South Florida and on I-95. He's given a traffic report that the traffic is moving smoothly. And uh, Plantation Mark said she's listening, cooking stew uh, for the American right. Legion. She's cooking stew for the American Legion, Ted. So we're all Is that right? Yeah. Well, that's Hello. great. Tell my said I. Honestly, yeah, because you're listening. Yeah, she's listening. Well, yeah, well, well, you know, here we are uh, moving right along in this fast moving world where the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, before we went on the air, Ted and I were talking. We really think the kind of key word today is frustration because frustration is everywhere in our culture right now. Frustrated with the way we deal with China, frustrated with Biden, frustrated with Trump, frustrate, frustrate, frustrate. But the big one is um, always out there for us to looming over us is the debt. And that undermines or underpins or under structures everything, but it's never talked about. And Ted and I were talking about it before we went on here with you about how frustrating it is. Ted, take it from there. Teach us what you sure. think. Well, you know, if we go back to the October, November shows on your podcast, um, we are talking about the looming debt and how the next speaker is going to have to do something different than the speakers previously. And, you know, then it came down to the fight with Kevin McCarthy getting, um, getting nominated and elected and getting approved, getting enough votes to become the speaker. 
and it was a historic 15 rounds before he became the speaker. And I had um, um, members of Congress calling me, members of the elite team, you know, the leadership team, asking if uh, I could get support for Kevin McCarthy with some members from Florida. And um, then they asked me, well, would you support Kevin? And I said, no. And, and I said, let me tell you why. And I gave out five litany or five different reasons. And that person agreed with me on every one of those. And I says, one of the big things I brought up was, what's he going to do different than he's done in the past so that when we come to the end of September, where we are now, that we're not doing CRs and we're not misappropriating funds to fund this government without going after structural reforms of the problem. And um, he goes, well, uh, Kevin knows how to do that. And I says, you know what? I, I hope he does, but I don't see it changing. And so here we are um, September, coming into the September uh, 30th of 2023 and we're having this argument about funding the government or not. The argument should have started in January, and the things should have been in place. Um, the, when I say things, the appropriations should have been um, all done by April, and then they they could have passed these appropriation bills out by then. But what I hear up there when I was up there it was always, it's not that simple. Well, if it's not that simple, you need to figure out a way to make it more simple to where it is doable. And um, I, I remember saying this to Eric Canner. I said, Eric, if you've got a chairman of a committee that can't get his appropriations out, say by April, give him a deadline. And if he can't do it, relieve him of his duties. And I said, if you do that to one or two chairmen, the other ones are going to tighten up and they're going to get their work done for the American people. And until we have that kind of leadership up there, we're going to see the threat of the government shutdown. You're going to see the the terrible spending that the CRs do. And uh, you, you watch this fight. They're going to do a short-term CR, meaning, you know, uh, four, five, six weeks. But then they'll say, well, we want to do it so it doesn't interfere with the holidays. And so they'll do one right after Christmas and then they'll have to do another one that'll probably go to February. And in the meantime, what happens is there are no reforms to the spending programs. So the debt goes up, the spending goes up, and then our uh, service on our debt continues to rise, especially with the rising interest rates. And it really does become uh, unsustainable. And when you think about it, when we go back to when I first came into Congress, we owed $13 trillion. Now we're at $34 trillion. And uh, there is a, you know, there is a breaking point where that is. We don't know. But when it comes, there's going to be forced austerity measures and there will be massive cuts into a lot of programs. And, of course, the Republicans will want to cut, you know, um, services. The Democrats will want to protect all the social programs, you know, the food stamps, uh, Medicaid things like that, and then they'll use that as political weapons and say that the Republicans want to take your food stamps away, they want to cut your Social Security, where in reality, all this stuff will get cut if we wait until that is forced upon the American people, and it's a dereliction of duty of the people that we elect. I'll turn that back over to you, Lord. Well, I'm sorry, I can't. that's a hard act to follow because it's uh... – you know, it flows very nicely, unfortunately, to a 
uh, oblique a conclusion that is uh, so redundant if you wonder how they keep it going even to get to this point. Um, nobody seems to know the value of a dollar, and the value of the dollar, of course, is less and less every day until we reach a point uh, where it collapses. And I don't know what the, that's going to look like. Um, well, you know, you talk about the value of the dollar. Carolyn and I, we stopped and we went to uh, uh, we went to a fast food restaurant. It was a Wendy's. I got a small double Dave's burger, bacon cheeseburger. She got a salad. I got a small frosty and a water. And then she got a large Diet Coke. We had our little wiener dog with us, so I bought a little uh, meat patty. It was $31. And that's from inflation and the devaluation of the dollar. So that dollar keeps becoming less and less valuable. And that's why everything goes up. Um, you know, and I'm like, I, I asked her, I says, how do, how do people that are just getting by go out to the fast foods? And it dawned on me, we're the only ones in line. Um, I don't know where it's going to stop, uh, but it's going to have to have an adjustment coming up here. I have a similar story. Three of us yesterday went through a fast food line. I got a chicken sandwich. That's it. Yeah. Then we got the tea. Three teas. Got to have tea. Three teas. Forty got to have tea. Yeah, three teas. There were three of us. The other two people did not get any tea. Just got a tea apiece. I got a tea and a chicken uh, sandwich. Seventeen dollars. Damn. Yeah, how do people afford that? You know, somebody making $15, $16, $17 an hour. And I think you and I talked about farmers trying to get somebody to fluff hay, you know, which is, needs to be done after you cut it. You fluff it so it can dry out. They couldn't get people to do that for $20 an hour. Well, it's really becoming a problem for restaurants. I, I know yeah. very... If you look at it, you say, boy, this is the most successful restaurant in town. But because I know the people running it, they tell me they're barely, barely making ends meet. Wow. And, uh, you know, they've got less and less on your plate for more and more money. That's You notice that, too. Yeah, yeah. The portions have been cut scaled back. Yeah. And we were talking about, before we went on the air, of course, what's going on with beef prices at the market. I don't know, but I'll know probably today, having taken four calves up there um, to Columbia. And I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. But uh, yeah. now, down here in, in the Newberry area, I, I don't know whether you follow this, but government killed the prospect of having a processing plant there where people can take their own cattle and have it you know, returned and you know, meat they could actually put on the table. Um, who, who, who who stopped that? Was it Alachua County? Yeah, as I understand, Alachua County. And uh, and, yeah. and the, the uh, commission was split on, I think it was a 3-2 vote. I could research that, but um, right. that, that's, uh, I never expected it to pass because there are not enough rural people. There are no right. rural people on these commissions. There are nobody running the government anymore who knows anything about um, the real world. Once upon a time, you know, we had 
statesmen, I guess, are almost, in my mind, synonymous with the real world. They come. Well, you had people. You had people that would go serve and go back home. Yeah. You got people that go in there and they make a career out of serving. Your Pelosi's, your Steny Hoyer, your Chuck Schumer's. You know, you look at Feinstein and you know these people are out of touch. I saw AOC was getting heckled because she had told people there was no uh, inflation was under control. And somebody that goes from D.C. to her district flies a plane, driven in an Uber, puts everything on a charge card. She's got people paying those bills. She has no clue of what the real people out in the real world have to deal with. And so they're out of touch with reality. And, um, you know, these are the people making policies. And, uh, you know, let's just hope they have short terms serving our country. Well, it's, uh, you put the finger on it. They go and they would come home and uh, they would, uh, yeah, that, he brought up Schumer. Well, of course, I can't. Chucky, Chuck U. Schumer. Yeah, what, Chuck U. Uh, Schumer. Chuck U. Schumer is what Russ Limbaugh used to say. But uh, Chuck U. and the dress code. What, I, I've been meaning to ask you about this dress code. We got a guy there that from Pennsylvania, I don't think he's got any business being a senator. But, you know, Pennsylvania being what it is, there he is. He's wearing his gym clothes to the Senate floor, and Chuck U is letting him do that. So what's, what's up with that? Well, you know, it's funny that you brought that up. I'm doing a, a course on uh, Homer and the Iliad. Uh, it's really fascinating. It's something I've always wanted to take the time to do, and so it's an audio one. And, you know, that was written two, 3,000 B.C., if I remember right. So it's Four to 5,000 years ago, this guy wrote this. And he was talking about how cultures come and develop after a major conflict, you know, wars, things like that, that they develop a, con- uh, a culture. And then what happens over time, you get a dilution of the traditions, of the mores, the values, um, and you get a dilution of that, and you get a breakdown of society. And you brought up Fetterman and Schumer. When you go against and change the rules of an institution that is supposed to be the most prestigious place on the planet uh, for a governing body that has decorum, and the Senate is one that always prided themselves in following tradition and the rules and all that, and then you get Chuck Schumer erases that, with a whim to benefit one person um you get a breakdown of civil society i mean and that's it's starting there from the top down instead of telling that person if you're going to be if you're going to vote you need to be addressed appropriately we did that in the house um uh boehner and even paul ryan they would make people address appropriately i went on the house floor one time i had just flown in I, I didn't have my tie with me, and I ran in there without a tie, and the sergeant of arms sent people over and says, you can't be on the floor without a tie. And now we've got Fetterman in shorts and a hoodie. Um, and you got to look at the image that's projecting to the rest of the world, and that fits right in line with the Marxist Democrats that, you know, are parading the the transgender and this is nothing against transgender, but when you have people like that, Sam Britton, 
with the red lipstick, the bald head, high heels, and a dress on. And he's a uh, he's a thief, you know. I mean, he's he was thrown out of uh, his position, and you're you're portraying that as the best of America, and all the other discord we have going on in our society, and then you show Fetterman on the Senate floor in a hoodie and shorts. Um, it's just not a very good image of American leadership. And that's why we're declining in the world. And you know something else about that, uh, too, uh, Ted? I'll give you a little secret. I never come before this camera without having prepared formally to come here. Right. I shave, you know, I shower. Uh, you know, I don't sit here in my underwear because nobody can tell what I'm sitting in. You know, I put on, because it's a presentation that deserves your best uh, foot forward, if, if you will. Right. That's a little right. different. You're, you're a guest and you're riding on the road. But what I do every day, if I don't do that, then in my mind, I have not taken this discourse seriously. I've taught, it's, right. it's not what it should be. And. You know, this goes all the way back to the, the fact that uh, I don't know if you ever saw this, but the, the Marine Corps Commandant is, went to one of the service academies and gave a speech. And it was on the importance of making your bed in the morning. Oh, yeah, I read that. I saw that. Yeah. Making your bed in the morning. Making what your bed. I do every morning. Now I'm telling my wife and I do that every morning. I I I want that day prepared, and I don't even like leaving it unmade late on a Sunday morning, or you know, late Saturday morning. It's all that. It's sort of like flying an airplane. You have a checklist, right? Right. Absolutely. But you you got to go through the checklist. Well, stick into the basics. Stick to the basics. yeah. Yeah. And you know, and, thing, and then, well, go ahead. Well, another thing is being on time. Um, you know, my father-in-law, my father, they were project managers of construction jobs and managed crews and all these things. And time for them was 10 minutes early. You know, it wasn't, you know, if it started at nine, it really started for you or 10 of nine. You were there. You didn't come in at five after or two after. You know, it said nine or whatever it said, eight. This this sort of thing is really hurting the culture. Uh, I think it's it's uh, we're teaching this kind of sloppiness, and that- I can't say a whole lot about time because I was known always to be late as a veterinarian. Although it's something I've worked on since I've gotten out of out of the profession, <laughs> and I try to be to you on time most of the time. Well, you get the the uh, the medal of Ward Scott files. For the your, most approved, yeah. For your for most improved students, <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're uh, you're you're steady as can be. Tom and Ted Yoho, who is in route from South Florida on I ninety five, and has got a wonderful procedure <laughs> by which he's got a cough. I'm concerned about that. What's happened there, Ted? Oh, it's allergies. There you go, ragweed. Yeah, I'm a little raw. Ragweed. It's ragweed. I went out, uh, in, you know, outside here, and it gets with you. But uh, 
There you go. There you go. Yeah, we're talking with Ted Yoho. And if you have a question, put it in the chat line here. I'm uh, looking. Uh, Plantation, uh, Mrs. Plantation Mark said, Plantation just called. He's listening to us both. And he's at the American Legion now with the stew. Uh, with the stew. All right, Mark. All right. Mark. Right. You know, uh, Mark is another one that has been listening to the Ward Scott Files along with his wife. And I don't know who else is around his camp. But for years, he's been right there every day. He gets the attendance award, uh, Ted. He's, I don't think he's ever missed class. Uh, no, they've been good. He's the master. You, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you were talking about, you know, just doing the basics. And, you know, you do it over and over again. Make your bed, make your bed. And I have shared that book and that, that uh, talk with a lot of people. And they laughed at it, said, this is not important. Of course, as a couple, they're dating, getting getting ready to get married, and they would never make their bed, and they didn't stick ah. to the basics. And it's not about making your bed. It's about the discipline, just doing the simple things. And if we take that to Congress, they're not doing the basic things. They're not doing the things that they need to do. Um, you know, they've got all these distractions. They're doing all these hearings on things that never amount to anything. Um, again, the speaker, Kevin McCarthy, at the beginning of the year, should have just taken all committee hearings off, off the books, except the appropriation ones to get your budget out. And we are going to change the curve in Congress, and we're going to change the spending of what we do. And um, take it upon themselves to say, this is the Congress that's going to make the bet. And and just start a new direction. And of course, they don't do that. And uh, it's a lack of leadership. In fact, I just left a, somebody in law enforcement there talking about people advancing and they have to wait till somebody dies or retires before they can move up to the next rank. And that's the way politics is. And when I ran, everybody says, well, who gave you the permission to run? Are you cut in front of all these other people? You didn't wait your turn. And I says, you know, what are you talking about? Leadership is not something you wait in line for. Leadership is something you create. And um, we don't have enough leaders in the country. And, and you have to work in a team. I understand that. And uh, But if you've got a quarterback that doesn't know how to run the plays, um, you can't, you've got to change your team. And that's well, what so I saw out there. So many people today are concerned about feelings. And we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And one of the most uh, controversial, I'll just do this a little bit. You probably maybe watch this, maybe don't. Um, stories going on in sports right now. The biggest story in sports is the success of Deion Sanders as a head coach. Yeah. And you ought to see the lightning rod he's become for people who criticize him. They really yeah. – their, their, their rationale for criticizing him basically is bias, okay? There's, there's nothing you can say about his results. There's nothing you can say about his resume. So they just don't like him. It reminds me so right. much of Trump. I mean, Trump's results, my golly, and his resume as a businessman, but they just don't like him, you know? Right. And that's... I don't know if we can get past that. You know, not like getting not liking Biden is a little bit different than not liking Trump. Uh, 
Biden really has some blatant fibs that he tells. The Wall Street Journal even oh, wrote, man. oh my God, they wrote a long article about chronicling all the all the fibs he's told. They call them fibs. They're really just bald faced lies, you know. And nobody right. he skates away with that because he's a member of the club there. <clears throat> Yeah, the same way with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. They, I know, and Obama. Yeah. You know, they just told lies and they get away with it. And, um, you know, on the Republican side, uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely, I was listening to a podcast yesterday on foreign policy, and it was interesting because the guy says, now, nah, I don't want to be political. And then the next thing he's doing is talking about, the Trump supporters and the right wing radicals and how they are doing this. And, and, you know, they just need to see our side and, and uh, don't they understand how rational we are? And I'm like, I'm glad you didn't make this political. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I mean, they were just so lopsided. It was unbelievable. Uh, well, but that's the way it is with those lies that uh, the fibs that they're lies uh, of Biden and they're, I mean, they're just, over the top, the stuff he does. I'm, I'm yeah. amused too by by the people who criticize Dion for going to the first meeting with the people who were the one and eleven team, and telling them, "Listen, you know, I don't want you around here if you're not going to live up to my standards and uh, be welcome. You're welcome to leave, but if you want to stay, you're going to have to really change your ways." And people, some people have said, looking. For for something to say, oh my golly, that was so, that was so hurtful. That was so. Hey, come on, man. I mean, we need to go to Congress and do that. We need to walk into Congress and say, hey, look, if you're going to sit on your duff for 25 years here and draw a check and not get any done, you need to leave. You know? Oh, isn't that the dang truth? You know, I was never a fan of Deion Sanders when he was at FSU. Um, but like you said, you can't take anything away from him. That guy is such a gifted athlete. But I've gotten to where I really like him. And you got to just like his attitude, you know. Um, it's a can-do attitude. He's going to win wherever he's at. He's going to be successful. And, uh, you know, I applaud that because that's, you know, that's part of, I, I think, of our culture. You know, you cheer for that kind of guy. That's America. That's somebody that's not going to take excuses. He's going to go out and make things happen. And he's going to do it with a smile. Um, you know, you got to respect that. He's a he's a master marketer. Knows how to market. Oh, he is. Oh my golly, he knows how to really market. And he's no, he, yeah, yeah. He understands the modern tools, how to promote yourself. And well, uh, and that's what we need in Congress. And I think that's what Trump tried to do. Unfortunately, he fell victim to the the people that were going to help him. Right there, you know. Let's get Rince Priebus to be your chief of staff, you know, and he's as much as establishment as they come. And then they were listening to Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and they put all the wrong people around him. You know, the thing he did have was uh, Steve Bannon, but even he fell prey, you know, when they were trying to pass that, that health care bill, him and Mick Mulvaney came in and telling us how we had to, had to support this. And I remember Mick Mulvaney says, you don't want to understand this guy just wants to win. He wants to have this bill get across. He wants to win. And I said, it's not about the win. It's what, what's best for this country. And, you know, we, ne I never did support that, that replacement. And, uh, 
you know, so he had too many people around him telling him the wrong things that he relied going in this next round. If he gets elected, which I think he will, um, I don't think he'll make that mistake again. And I think he'll be brutal uh, to people around him uh, and he'll thin them out real quick. Calling Ted Yoho is en route back home from South Florida on I-95. He's giving us a traffic report. It looks good. The weather looks good there behind him, and we are going to take a break for the weather. Steady here. traffic, moving moving uh, nicely, no no uh, slowdowns. Good. And we're north of Palm Beach right now, heading up to uh, Jupiter. And we're going to break here. Actually, for- I'm north of Jupiter now. Good. We're going to break for the Ward's weather, brought to you by Lewis Oil in just a moment. And stay tuned. Be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Tension all Gator fans, Meldon Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida-Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and a football signed by Coach Billy Napier, and much more. Go to the Meldon Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. The Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Oh, warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, thanks. Help me! 
Help! Help! All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather Report brought to you by Lewis Oil Chevron Fossil Fuel Gas. By golly, nothing wrong with that. You know, if you like to ski, and I skied out west for, I don't know, 20, 25 years, get ready. There's a pattern change coming to the northwestern United States this week, and it's going to bring the first, yes, you heard me, snowfall across the mountain ranges. Wow. Wow. Uh, this will be the first snowflake since last winter. It's a cold storm system sinking down out of western Canada. It's going to bring chances for accumulating snow in the highest elevations of the northwest. And it will be uh, in the Sierra Nevada, of course, range, and some of the highest elevations of the northern Rockies. The Rockies are magnificent mountains to ski. Skied all over sure. the Rockies out there. This cool air mass is seeping southward from Canada. It will bring a gradual decline in temperatures into the middle of the week. But as early as Tuesday night, the zone of low pressure is expected to drop into western Washington. Washington, that is. And uh, Washington. Washington. And conditions will turn cold enough to start to snow in the northern Cascade with snow levels dropping to below 6,000 feet. Well, that's pretty wow. cool because we ski in the Rockies around at least eight or 9,000 feet. So this is going to be a big, exciting moment for those of us who ski. I don't any longer, but it's there for you. If you love it, it's exhilarating. Talk we might have to find Canada because, you know, mm-hmm. how dare them send cold weather down here with snow in it? Don't they know there's climate change? Well, that's what they're doing. That's a good point, Ted. They're shifting climate change to us and dumping their cold weather on us. How dare they do that? How dare they do that? I got a brother up in Minnesota and one in Wisconsin, and they said it was in the low 30s the other night. You know, you guys from that part of the country suffer the hottest summers and the coldest winters, and they snap you. They'll come like a snap of a finger. I sure do. You know, when I was a kid up in Minnesota, we lived right on the Mississippi River. I remember summers of 105 degrees as a kid. Um, you know, and I remember some cold, cold winters. One of our students says global freezing. We now have global freezing. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're talking about Lewis Oil Company and you said fossil fuels. Why do they call it fossil fuels? <laughs> you know. Why is it fossil fuel? Where's the fossil? Right. Is it Doesn't a dinosaur? It, isn't the fuel really created, the oil created from vegetation that was once? Decaying uh, organic material. Became organic material? And everybody says, well, the oil came from when the dinosaurs died. And I'm like, what's well, renewable, isn't it? They said, no, we don't have any more dinosaurs. <laughs> We don't have any more dinosaurs. And I said, well, has anything died since the dinosaurs? And so there's a, a continual replenishment of that. And, uh, you know, I was finally exonerated because I talked to several scientists. They said, yeah, it's an ongoing process. So well, we got a couple articles here for us to chew on for a minute, Ted. Out of the uh, Wall Street Journal today, which you may not have seen yet. 
I have not seen that. Big article here by Gabriel Shinman and David Fife. And you're going to be right in your wheelhouse. Why aren't the presidential candidates debating China? I don't know. That's a great point. Um, you know, one of my side gigs I'm doing right now, I'm working with some mining entities. And they just sent me a briefer. And it was talking about critical minerals, which are your rare earth minerals. And they elaborated in that, that research article of how much China controls. And it's like we know, I mean, 90 to 100 percent, depending on the mineral. And they're pretty much controlling it in on every continent. And, um, you know, there again, you're going to see the circus show up there in Washington about uh, funding the government. You can't afford to let it shut down. We can't do this. And then you go back. They've had hearings on fentanyl, hearings on the border, hearings on, you know, uh, wokeism, equity, all this silly stuff and uh, transgenderism, uh, um, uh, UFOs, things like that. But they're not focusing on the major things. They got to fix the hole in the dike. They've got to fix the hole in the Titanic, and they're just not doing that. And uh, and and people wonder why it's not changing and it's getting worse. It's because they're not making the bet. <laughs> Go back the to the basics. Some of the paragraphs that might uh, strike your interest uh, concerns underestimating China. We've done it yeah. a long time. But China's economic and technological strength dwarfs that of the Soviet Union during the Cold War. And oh, much more. Dwarfs it. That's one thing is uh, is happening. Of course, uh, the Taiwan issue is a hot potato. And uh, then there is the issue of the sea power that China has built and has continued to build. And we question in the article is whatever happened to Reagan's 600-ship Navy, Reagan's 1980 campaign pledge was that a 600-ship Navy was good strategy and good messaging, and one should always maintain that. The Navy now has, according to the article, 299 ships, which are 82 short of its own requirement, and has averaged 10 ships below procurement plans since 2017. And there's some more stats here. The commander of the U.S. Fleet Forces Command has called for six shipyards up from four. Um, There you go. It is uh, couple that with something for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I am growing less and less enchanted. I don't know if that's the right word. With throwing money at Ukraine. Slap my slap my hand if I misspoke. No, I agree with you. I think Ukraine is a very important um, uh, conflict going on right now. Uh, there's no doubt that it was Russian aggression. It was illegal. What Putin is doing has done, and they continually are killing just uh, civilians. And it's it's an it's an atrocity that after World War Two two we'd say would never happen again. Well, it's happening. And so where is the U.S. role in this? I think we talked about this last week. NATO was formed for a reason. NATO was formed after World War II to stop the expansion of communism. And, you know, Russia had become the big concern. 
And so it was formed to give security to that area of, of the world. And so this should be a NATO response coming to help Ukraine. It should not be the United States of America by itself. It should be an all-out NATO response. No one country is the leader of that, although we can lead as the United States, um, enticing the other NATO members to do this. And um, the reason is, if it's just um, if it's just the United States against Russia, it invites what you're seeing now, China in, and now North Korea and Iran will be in there, and anybody else that is against the West uh, or Western ideologies. And so that's really where the focus needs to be, and that comes from leadership. And unfortunately, we do not have leadership. Trump did a good thing with the NATO members by making them pay and catch up their arrears for their NATO dues, and they did that. Uh, but he got chastised uh, because they said he, he, he hurt our relationships with those countries. And this comes back to what you were saying. You know, I'm not really concerned if I hurt your feelings. I apologize if I did. My concern is that we're all paying our fair share so that NATO can work in the block it was designed to work with. Going back to China, our leaders are not focusing on what we should. You're talking about Reagan's 600 fleet uh, Navy. China is building five aircraft carriers, uh, and they're going to be super aircraft carriers. They're going to be the largest in the world. And they have perfected hypersonic weapons, uh, as Russia has. China's ahead of them as far as technology. I was reading a report the other day. One of their hypersonic weapons can travel 1,800 miles in 18 minutes. So by the time it's launched, before we're even aware of it, it's hit the target. And they can take out any of our fleet anywhere in the world at any time, and we have no defense against it. This is where there's a dereliction of duty of leadership. Our government should be putting money into those things for the next generation of warfare, not to have a war, but to be the deterrent of war. And uh, we're behind the eight ball here, and China's ahead of us in that, as is Russia. And, you know, God forbid North Korea gets a hypersonic ICBM or something that can launch 10 uh, nuclear weapons. Um, you know, this is where Washington has really dropped the ball, and it's disgusting that we're having all these silly fights, and you see somebody like Lauren Bobart, you know, running amok out there in Colorado. You know, people like that shouldn't even be in Congress. And, uh, you know, they should focus on America, what makes America strong, and leave their personal agenda at home. Yeah, are you there? Did I lose you? Yeah, you can you hear me? Yeah. No, you were there. It, it, okay, good. Yeah, a little glitch there. First one we've had on the road. You must be out in no man's land a little bit. Out in God's country. Out in God's country. Talking with Ted Yolo, we've just been talking about how the life us we can't understand. We've been talking with each other for quite a while with you, our students, about why we're so caught up in these issues which bathroom you get to use, this except what pronoun, and you know, hurting people's feelings, when we are just being skunked in terms of our ability to defend ourselves. And, you know, it's, many frightening scenarios can result from that. You can be sitting here with all these assumptions that you think are just as valid and as permanent as can be, 
The next thing you know, uh, you're dominated. It can happen. It's happened before. I mean, it's easy to to imagine if you are paying attention. But apparently, there, there's, a, there's something missing in D.C., Ted. I mean, you, you know. I, vision, vision, huh? and leadership. There's, there's a lack of a vision and leadership. Um, you know, that's why I like people like Elon Musk. I, my daughter and I, we watched that documentary on him i forget what it was called back in space or something like that or back to space maybe and he was talking about how we haven't landed anybody on the moon in i forget how many years 40 or 50 years and uh, um how we haven't put our own people up into the iss the international space station using our own rockets and i forget how long and if it wasn't for elon musk we'd still be paying russia you know, I forget what it was, 50, 60, 80 million dollars an astronaut to get up there and bring back. And uh, it took somebody in the private sector like Elon Musk that had a vision. And that's created a whole new movement in space exploration and launching. And uh, that's what's lacking in Washington. We don't have anybody looking at it. It goes back to my uh, comment about John Boehner. When I asked him what our long term vision was in January, of my first year and he goes what are you talking about i says where do you see american congress five to ten years down the road he goes yo ho that's a lifetime in politics our long-term vision is september and i'm like why september he goes we got to fund the government and um you know so that first congress is two years so that first year is to fund the government then everything after that is the next election and that's what they concern with that they're so so uh short-sighted that nothing gets fixed long term but what happens is the problems get worse and worse and larger and larger and that's where we're at and so watch this show watch this show of october or september 30th and all the threats and all the damage they're going to say it's going to do the economy keep in mind um i forget what uh, i think it was finch uh, downgraded American debt from a triple A to an A plus. And this is because they're not dealing with the underlying problem. And I wonder how many more people will come after, after this show on um, funding the government will downgrade us further. And they're going to blame it on the, uh, uh, the fighting in Congress, but it's not the fighting. It's the inability to fix the underlying problem. On your list, we have six things, and uh, we've been covering them, really, debt, China, and leadership. We haven't covered directly what is driving New York crazy, and that is, well, as an estimated, according to the article came out today in, in the uh, journal, which I'm, I'm sure you haven't seen because you're traveling, was estimated, yeah, you know, I don't know if this number strikes you as correct, but estimated 12 million undocumented people in this country. And I'm mindful yesterday that they discovered at a preschool, I don't know if you've heard about this, enough fentanyl on a book rack, the kids' book bags, the numbers numbers blow me away. To kill 500,000 people. I mean, yeah. is, is that right? I mean, 
But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's what I heard. And in fact, three kids got sick. I mean, we're talking one small died. kids. One died. One died. Two got sick and they got treated. This is the kind of garbage going on in this country. And there's no need for this. The border should be secured. Uh, if you bring fentanyl into this country, I think it ought to be a capital offense. And I think it should be done dealt with swiftly, completely. And I don't think you need to do it often because I think the word gets out that America's changing and that we're not going to put up with this stuff. But what happens is, you know, I was sharing this with somebody. If I go 10 miles over the speed limit, you know, I'm going to get pulled over. I'll get a $300 ticket. But if I go to one of these towns and I go to a higher end store and sell $950 worth of stuff, they'll just say, oh, well, he needed that stuff. You know, there's just things are so backwards in this country. And, um, you know, again, it comes from leadership and um, just sticking to the rule of law. Supposedly, there are more than 110,000 foreign nationals that have come to New York City since 2022, about uh, a little over a year ago. Uh, the city has set up more than 200 emergency sites to house and feed them. Uh, they're roughly, this is really a, a tough thing to handle. 19,000 migrant children enrolled in public schools. And the problem with those migrant children, I know from people who work in the public school system, is they come sporadically, uh, inconsistently, in gulps. All of a sudden, you have to accommodate them. You have to be able to converse with them. Uh, they don't speak English. They're not vaccinated. Um, right, right. Throw chaos. They're destroying eroding at least significantly the public school system, which was already uh, on gas fumes, you know, and they don't know what to do about it. I know from here. They don't. Yeah. Well, you brought up the, the 12 to 14 million people here illegally. I think that number is way low. Back, you know, if you go back um, to 2013 when I came in, they were saying there's five to seven million people here illegally. That was then, but then they said the real number is probably 11 to 12. And since then, just since the Biden administration, uh, I think we're up to 7 to 10 million people that we know about, not let alone all the ones that got in here that didn't get caught. And it's just, it's so out of control. And this is something that has to be dealt with. And I'm glad that these Democratic cities now are feeling the pain of what Texas Arizona, New Mexico, Florida is feeling. And this is stuff that's going around all over. And, um, uh, um, you know, until there's leadership and that somebody is, I don't want to say man enough, but it is bold enough to follow the rule of law and make those tough decisions and not worry about the next election. You know, it's like that phrase from World War II, damn the torpedoes, we're going in anyways, you know, and you know, damn the next election, just do what's right. And I think if you do what's right and you, you explain why you're doing it, you know, the American people will get on your side. And that, that's what we're lacking. We're lacking that kind of leadership. And it's we can't we can't survive without doing that. You know, what they're trying to do now to let off some of the pressure, according to the article here, is just to start handing out state-level work permits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They well, sure are. Driver's license. Uh, they're allowing them yeah. to get driver's license. 
you know, we don't even know if these people are competent to drive. And you, you brought up that thing about kids are going to school, you know, for our kids to go to school, they've got to be vaccinated. They've got to have their health certificate, things like that. We're allowing all these kids to come in from these um, third world countries, developing countries. And, you know, we know TB's down there. We know some of these other diseases, malaria. And we're seeing an up, uptick of TB in this country. And it's the uh, antibiotic-resistant kind. We're seeing an uptick in these other things uh, like uh, measles and the pox viruses and uh you know, and, and so we've been so careful about regulating our people or mandating to our people that we've opened the border. And something that you, you're you probably not aware of, there's something called bush track racing and horses. And um, the horse industry in America is very well regulated. You know, for a horse to go from a one area to another, they've got to have a Coggins test, which is a disease that horses carry and it's... Um, uh, something that we stay on top of. Well, these bush track people, they're not doing these tests. And so we're seeing an uptick in um, uh, positive Coggins or e equine infectious anemia. There's another disease called pyroplasmosis that is coming in because these horses are coming from Central and South America through the southern border. And so we're infecting our, our population by uh, the things that we've done right to keep a very... Uh, healthy herd in America, whether it's cattle or horses, and these people are coming in illegally, bringing horses in illegally and livestock. And, um, you know, it's something we, you ought to be real tuned to this is foot and mouth disease. And this is getting a little bit off topic. We've not had foot and mouth dis disease in this country. And it's rampant around the world and in South America. If that comes into this country, our exports will stop today. And it'll be, uh, the estimates are like $250 billion in economic damage. And, you know, and it's be, and we're allowing it to happen. You know, someday it'll come in here, our African swine fever, and it'll decimate our agricultural industry. The whole issue of non-native invasive plants and diseases is much more of an issue than people realize. Oh, it is. They, they take it for granted that when they go to the store, the apple's okay, or this, that, one, another, or the banana's okay. And this was one of the issues that I remember I was in the classroom at that time, and I had kids in the classroom who were farm kids. I mean, they had been raised in the rural world who were really against NAFTA because they said, you I know, asked. You don't have any idea what NAFTA is going to allow to happen on these non-native invasive species. And I think it's proven to be a real issue. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. And this is something I learned and I didn't realize it. The USDA, you know, and all these containers that come in through the port of Miami and all that, that's where most of our vegetables and flowers and things like that. Um, that's where they, that's where APHIS is, the animal plant, uh, uh, health industries is. They're the ones that screen for infectious diseases and plant diseases and, you know, new bugs coming in. They only inspect 2% of the containers coming in. Um, they just don't have the manpower, the resources. 
And so there's so much that comes into this country and why uh, we haven't had foot and mouth disease or one of these other things that will really decimate the agriculture industry for years. Um, we've just been fortunate, but that time's running out, especially when you see what's coming across our borders, um, whether it's through people coming into Florida uh, through the waterways or they're coming through the southwest borders. And now you're hearing about the northwest, the northern borders. People are starting to say are every bit as porous, and they've been that way um, for a long time. But now it's just people are bringing attention to that. And so, yeah, there's going to be something that comes in that we're going to regret. And it won't be, maybe it won't be a terrorist, but it'll be, you know, something as devastating, you know, as something like the foot and mouth disease or African swine fever, you know, tuberculosis that, you know, is rampant. And then we have a TB outbreak in this country and people. Yes, yeah, so a Kogan grass came in on the on the uh, patties, the the the, the that on the plants we're sitting on. And, yeah, yeah. That fireweed, uh, potato ash, uh, the potato uh, uh, plant. Um, the, that one kudzu, kudzu came in that way. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of things have come in that way, and we've just been fortunate. And we, you know, we do have good inspectors out there with the USDA and the FDAX. Florida Department of Ag, uh, you were familiar with the screwworm outbreak, right? A couple years ago, right? That came from there's a. It either came through uh, Cubans coming into this country or from Guatemala, and uh, luckily there was a veterinarian that spotted that um, just north of the Keys, and um, uh, the USDA working with the Florida Department of Ag. I mean, they did a massive program and stopped that. And, uh, you know, I commend those people for doing their jobs. But when when you get something like one of these other diseases that could come in, it'll devastate our livestock industry. And, you know, my wife was at um, a store the other day, Publix, and brought home a, a pound of hamburger. And it was like $8 a pound for hamburger. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, you used to buy that stuff for 99 cents a pound. And, uh, of course... You, the producer, you're not going to see that price, but I mean, oh. your prices are going to be historically good, but nothing near what the retailer gets. Well, Ted, we're out of time. Believe it or not, you had a good trip up here. I, I bet you passed it pretty quickly talking with us. Um, it's always exciting to see where you're going to be. I have no Appreciate idea. Appreciate the opportunity. I have no idea where you'll be next week, but I'm sure you'll be here. So uh, <laughs> we'll look forward to it. I bet you nothing more has been done between the conversation today and the one a week from now about the issues we've been talking about. I mean, it might even go backwards. <laughs> what, what, what is today, the 19th? Yeah, today is the... Uh, or is it the 20th? 20th. All 20th. right, so next week will be the 27th. It'll be three days before the, the threat of a government shutdown. Let's see how much they have progressed to have everybody in alignment saying this is what we're doing. And I hope they do. You know, I, I would love for them to have some kind of plan to where uh, we make progress in a positive way for this country. Wow. Well, take care. Take care, buddy. Have a good trip. Ted, your host, hanging out. Warhol Command Center out. Have a great day. <laughs>